Welcome to your Future Therapist podcast. Empower yourself with this free podcast for personal growth and well-being. Future therapist and life coach Kelly Newsom and co-host Megan Lachowski share honest, real-life stories to help others navigate life's challenges. Welcome listeners. It's Megan here introducing our episode Friendships 2.0. I'm here with future therapist Kelly Newsom and I'm her little helper Megan. <laughs> and today we're going to revisit our discussion that we had months ago now about friendships and sort of evaluate um, just more thoughts that we've had about how each of us handle friendships and listeners, this might be a surprise, but Kelly and I found some big differences with how we handle and think about friendships. And um, so we just thought it would be fun to talk about those differences because a lot of times we talk about our similarities that we have here on the pod. So, yeah. Yeah. When you um, proposed this episode topic and you, well, before you proposed it, you said, I was listening to your polo and we are so different. I'm like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? And so you eloquently, you know, explain yeah. the differences and, um, and then suggested that we talk about it. It, like, was, okay. it was weird. It's uh there's very few times where, I mean, you and I are, um, there's plenty of, I don't want to say superficial as in unimportant, but you know, kind of small, less significant differences in us, like our zodiac signs, for mm -hmm. example, which we still aren't <laughs> going to reveal until right, that's um, right, until birthday time officially. But um, you know, there's certain differences that we have that are you know kind of small, but this is a pretty big one, and it's rare that we find that because there are so many similarities, big mm -hmm. similarities that we have. <laughs> so I thought this would be fun. Yeah, this will be a good conversation. Um, leading into today, I'm like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable about it. And and I don't know why. And I think it's because it's actually such a not having friends is actually such a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that I've looked at people in the past, it's starting to change and kind of like my friend are you know, my radar for friendships has shifted. Right. And so I'm, my outlook is different than it used to be. I mean, even from the first episode, which was back in May, um, where I think that conversation was mostly about kind of the lack of, you know, and maybe the reasons why and how we participated, um, or how we realize now how we were an, a part, a participant in those friendships. So Today's though a little bit different, right? Because I had, I think the conversation was spurred on because I had an interaction with a professor from Vietnam and uh, she decided to sit next to me, which mm -hmm. always baffles me why people <laughs> want to sit next to me, but sat down next to me and she was, uh, she's visiting and for a four month program uh, here or at UC Davis. And there's probably, ten, I think it was 10, um, 10 people that traveled with her that are doing very similar things. And basically they're looking to learn more about their field of study so that they can take that information back to the university that they each work in. And she 
it was at a Halloween party at work and it was her first Halloween and ever experiencing, you know, costumes and potlucks and stuff like that. And so anyway, she sat down next to me and we just totally hit it off. We've emailed this week back and forth, trying to decide how we could get together before she leaves and goes back home. And the conversation was amazing. It was like one of those conversations where you just walked away feeling kind of like on cloud nine, but it opened up this whole kind of questioning of me, of myself about how am I limiting myself to meet, you know, to meet new people. That was was really interesting to, oh, for many reasons, it was interesting hearing you talk about it, which obviously we're going to be getting into, but what was initially interesting about it was to hear you talk about this conversation and to hear that cloud nine feeling Mm -hmm. and then how it turned into you having, you know, a realization about a much bigger thing that has to do with friendships. And so it was so interesting because, you know, I didn't think, oh, you're limiting yourself. However, the way that you were so happy after that conversation, just because it was just a wonderful conversation that Mm -hmm. you had. And then to hear you have that concern about, you know, how you, how your brain kind of wants to put a stop to delving into Mm -hmm. a real friendship, even with, um, even with a really good connection that you have with somebody, it was like, wait a second. No, like that was a good thing that 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 was good. You're supposed to keep pursuing that if it's making you feel that wonderful. So it was interesting to kind of without me even realizing it since that you were feeling that and then you had that realization and then started talking about it. And so listeners, we very, very briefly discussed this. It was more just you and I saying that we have these differences and then we did not continue talking about it because we wanted to have this conversation unfold. Yeah. And what lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And what you're referencing is after I shared my experience with this new acquaintance, I'll call her. <laughs> um, I then went into realizing, and I I've always known this, but really I feel I need to tackle it and understand it better is how uh I I want a more diverse friendship group, right? I want I um I mean, just to be perfectly honest, my, all my friends are white, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, that's how it is. And this is where I live. And this is the circles that I, uh, I partake in. And there's something that I think is just not okay with me in that, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's a very, it, it helps to keep my views very narrow and I'm really not about that for the rest of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean that it it just part, it kind of ties into my whole kind of life philosophy of how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And it's going to be fully and purposefully. Right. And Mm -hmm. with like, it's going to make me uh, stretch in ways, you know, mentally and psychologically, uh, to, to expand myself so that I can help more people too. And so, but anyway, going, just going back. Yeah. I thought, I don't know, Megan, I'm, I'm kind of losing my thought track, but it was, it was just a really revel, uh, interesting revelation, you know? Yeah. And 
One of the things that I wanted to bring up, just going back to, and okay, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm curious about if other people feel this, and I really want to like detangle as much of this as possible. Not detangle. Um, I don't know, uncover whatever. Um, when you said that you were surprised that somebody sat next to you, why were you surprised? Um, because I don't. When I saw the group come in they are strangers to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of where they came from, but just in general, like, I don't mm-hmm. know who they are. <laughs> and I think I feel like my face changes and I feel like I, I close off, you know, it's almost like when you're on a plane on Southwest and you're watching or not watching all the people walk down the aisle and you have an open seat next to you. And you're like, I don't want to look at them. I don't, you know, like, I don't want to invite them right here. And believe it or not on the airplane, I am almost always next to an empty seat, even when they say it's a full flight. And I I have always just felt, well, there's something about me, (laughs) you know, that the perception or the, the vibe I'm giving off, which Mm -hmm. may have been purposeful on the airplane, but I think I've embodied that whether or not that's fair or I should be, or, you know, it, whatever. But I think I embody whatever that vibe is in, in in any instance where there's strangers. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's such a common thing where we kind of, um, adopt the identity of whatever we're putting out there or whatever we believe about ourselves or whatever we're comfortable with, even if we think we're not comfortable with it, but it's still like a habit that our brain is used to. Therefore, our brain is comfortable with it. We adopt that identity and just sort of assume that that's what's happening. And then we create a self-fulfilling prophecy for ourselves and just reinforce that. Yeah, absolutely. And all, you know, that happens, you know, we don't know that we're actually doing that until Mm -hmm. we see, we start to see the pattern, right. And then start Mm -hmm. to reflect on why is that happening every time, right? Well, there's, you know, and then we're looking for possibilities, like what are the potential reasons why, and that's part of self-reflection and, you know, all of that. Um, But in this instance, when, when she sat down, I looked at her and I said, welcome, you know, welcome to like the potluck and welcome to the Dean's office. And, and, and then she just like launched into just um, like about Halloween and, and that they went, (laughs) they went to some haunted house, you know, for the very first time. So it was just so interesting. And then it got fucking deep really fast and at a freaking potluck at a tape, you know, and then I'm like, what is happening? But we, we just, it was just like one of those people that you connect with and you can easily share. And I didn't have any, you know, hesitation or I didn't hold back. Like I might with someone that I'm not feeling super comfortable with. Um, Mm-hmm. We talked about women's empowerment. We talked about raising boys. We, I mean, this was, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, but it, it was such a great conversation and, and I, 
you know, pulled up a map of Vietnam and she's like, have you been there? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I, I know geography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just want to know where you live. Like, yeah. tell me where everybody who has uh, come here, where, where, what areas are they from? So she like went through the map mm-hmm. of Vietnam and showed me the cities and, um, and I did that. I actually pulled out the map. I was not going to do that. You know, I thought, oh, I really want to know where she lives. And I thought, no, that's weird. And I'm like, fuck it. I am doing this. Like, we've literally just talked about how in her culture, the parents put huge emphasis on the women, you know, the daughters marrying and having kids immediately and ensuring that the marriage is, uh, I guess, um, equal or of higher status to their own family, you know, and I, I did not live in that culture. So, I mean, it went like really kind of deep and she was so open and, you know, gracious with my questions and stuff like that. So anyway. Well, the reason why I asked that initial question is because I, I, okay. So when I say that I've never I don't, I honestly, I don't know if I have ever had that feeling of like somebody, like a stranger sits next to me or starts talking to me and wondering why they're doing that. I might not be in a chatty mood. I might not feel like talking with somebody, but I don't think I have ever, and I've also never been shy or like really like concerned about talking with somebody or something like that. I mean, I've had moments of insecurity and stuff, but I usually am able to just like blow past it and Mm -hmm. cover it up with like bad humor or something. But (laughs) I've never had that, that, um, like questioning feeling. And so I don't say that in like, Oh, look at me. Like I'm so, you know, whatever, but it was just interesting to hear you say that that was, that's like your, your norm Mm -hmm. is when there's a stranger and there's like an opportunity, I guess, for that stranger to talk with you, you're, you question it. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay, this is going to happen now. We're going to talk. And, and then as you were just talking about how the conversation evolved, if a stranger and seriously in any situation just came and sat down next to me and then started talking about like the plights of their childhood and Mm -hmm. what it was like to raise children and grow up in a country across the planet, I would be a hundred percent invested in that conversation without question. And I would be like, all right, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And I would share all sorts of whatever I felt like sharing about my life. And so it was just, it's just so (laughs) interesting. This is why we're having this conversation, you and I right now. Because it's so interesting to hear you talk about how you perceive that, like what you're kind of like the way that your brain um, uh, has to like click into gear to get into that mode. And I feel like I'm always in that mode. Like I'm always ready to have a super vulnerable, probably annoyingly vulnerable conversation with somebody like at a moment's notice. Well, I think it ties into a little bit of the second part of the conversation that we had on Marco Polo about my my want to open up, like or my resistance to opening up and why that is. So it's about commitment, 
about not wanting to be committed to a friendship and, and basically what was happening at the end of that conversation with her is, you know, she's leaving to go back to Vietnam in December. And it was such a great conversation that part of, part of my thought process was just leave it at that. Like what I'm going to start now spending time or, or, you know, suggest that we spend time together. Like, do I really want to commit to that? Like, so there's something about, you know, how I think about friends, which I don't think is totally shocking. I mean, if you go back and listen to the first episode on friendships, it it, it does make sense why I have this outlook about furthering my commitment to people. Um, because I, I will look at it kind of like it's a selfish thing. It's kind of self-preservation actually for potential failure. Like I, I don't want another friendship to fail and in order for it to not fail in my eyes means that I have to invest a lot of my time and energy into those people. And that's what makes me, I guess, categorize a successful friendship is how much I'm willing to give up myself, my time and stuff like that. While I say that, I always do wonder, am I all, am I giving enough? You know, does this person that I am friends with want more from me? And I always do feel the hand come up like a stop, you know, like a, like kind of pushing back a little bit. Not, not that we have conversations about this, but it's just this internal a mechanism that mm-hmm. kind of automatically stops me from pursuing more. So interesting. Okay. So this is what caused me to say, we need to talk about this mm-hmm. on the podcast, because I feel like you and I are at complete extreme ends of this type of um, friendship spectrum and how you, how we view friendships and like the just like our desire to put time into them and stuff because I famously put too much energy into friendships and set myself up for um you know disappointment or failure or whatever and I I think that that's one of those situations where that's what I've always done and so then I'm constantly reinforcing that for myself and I've only realized within the past couple of years that that that's what I've been doing and one of the, I, I am sure that I have mentioned this on this podcast, but um, one of the, the moments of realization for me came from listening to um, You Made It Weird uh, podcast. And so I'll, I can, uh, I'll give that to you later, Kelly, and you can link okay. it. But in that podcast, they were, um, they were talking about how we, do we really um, you know, for example, struggle to um, keep a friendship, like struggle to keep friendships. Um, do we, you know, do we really have that? Or are we constantly putting ourselves in situations where the friendship is going to not work out the way that we want so that we can say, see, mm-hmm. I said that this was what always happens. So anyways, through just my self-awareness journey over the past couple of years, and then like hearing that it was like one moment on that podcast, it just really hit me that that's what I totally have been doing with my friendships for my entire life. Um, 
amongst many, you know, romantic relationships, like, you know, everything, any type of one person to one person relationship that you can think of, I've been setting myself up in the same way to create the same results so that I can reinforce the, um, you know, basically the bias that I have for myself. So anyways, I have always put so much energy into friendships and that's just like my default to do that. And even with people that I just meet and Kelly, you hear on Marco Polo all the time, whenever I just like meet somebody, I'm like, okay, well, I just met them. And I mean, honestly, we're just like friends now. And (laughs) we have talked for 30 minutes, but I'm ready to like be totally committed to this person being a friend. And I'm ready to like jump all in. And obviously that's not how other people think. Mm -hmm. But like when I was a kid, I did not understand that. I was like, why, why isn't everybody treating this friendship exactly the way that I am? Like, why are people not wanting to hang out with me as much as I want to hang out with them? And so it's turned into this very, um, like sad, bitter, lonely cycle. It's so interesting how you brought up, like it creates a loneliness. Mm -hmm. You said the word lonely right earlier in this episode I think so I think yeah did. but I know what and, you're talking about yeah mm-hmm. and then I being on the other extreme end of like how I just throw myself into friendships still end up with that same feeling mm-hmm. it's almost as if we should be more balanced maybe I don't know maybe yeah and yeah so extremes don't work uh, I yeah, don't know <laughs> maybe yeah and so I uh, that's that's how I operate with friendships and So of course that's going to lead to a lot of disappointment because that's Mm -hmm. not where everybody's operating at. And for so many reasons, Kelly, my friendship with you has been so literally life-changing for me for the better. And this is just another way of, I, I don't think that I have ever fully grasped how other people might view friendships until I talked with you about it because you bring a completely different perspective and it's really grounded me and made me realize okay maybe this is how this person is maybe they simply look at friendships differently mm-hmm. than i do and that can <laughs> that's okay that can just be how it is it doesn't have to mean anything more than that it doesn't have to be anything about me it's just different yeah <laughs> well and also i think to your kind of to counterbalance like how you approach friendships and then just going back to how I approach it, I think, and I'm pretty sure that this is a solid reason why I do what I do now. Like I have that hand that comes up, like slow down or stop is because in the past, my friendships were all consuming, you know, it's like one-on-one friendships And we did everything together and it was only that other person. And so I really didn't have that separation of self outside of that friendship. And it's not like I've had many of these. I mean, I'm thinking maybe, you know, I can think two or three off the top of my head and the parts that I, that I reflect on those relationships is not feeling like I had my own time. And I think that's where the, now the stop kind of comes from because I felt I had to be available all the time and I'm a massive introvert. Right. And which means 
if you don't know an introvert, means that they really do value alone time. Like it actually rejuvenates, it brings up our energy levels, we kind of get centered again, and then we can go and give a little bit more of ourselves. But in these friendships, it was all or nothing. So it so it's actually kind of your version of what you were saying, how, you know, you're all in. But I was on the other side of that all in. And um, and I, whenever I feel trapped, that's the da- it's danger zone then when I start to feel trapped. And I think that's where this whole slow in my role and questioning and not wanting to really give full my my full what I think is my full energy. I'm not even sure what that means right now. But um, it's something that I'm withholding. I am withholding something for, I wouldn't say I'm withholding with you. Um, and there are a couple of other people that I, I don't feel I'm withholding, but new people for sure. Lots of withholding going on. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, and my and I'm shifting a little bit with how I view, well, I'm actually shifting hugely with how I um, approach friendships and I guess the expectation that I have for them, like my, my instinct for at least probably a long time, if not for the rest of my life will be to be comfortable with just like diving right in to being like vulnerable and close Mm -hmm. with somebody and having a close friendship. But, um, I'm no longer assuming that that instinct is exactly how everybody else also what their instinct should be and um, pretending like that that's how it's how it is. And if it doesn't happen that way, then that means that they don't like me and that they don't want to be my friend at all. Um, So it's no longer a black or white thinking for me. I I try to just try to meet people where they're at, I guess. Yeah. When I like, if I meet somebody new. Well, and you're developing friendships out of dance, right? Mm-hmm. From from everything that you're doing in the dance world, in the Cuba Cuban salsa world. Um, I don't even know if I said that properly, but um, you know, <laughs> and so you're meeting new people and getting excited when you meet people that you can connect with or have similar enthusiasm for mm-hmm. for that world, right? And and well, so- what's interesting is that this is a good test though, because there are I with so we'll take Cuban salsa as an example I go into it assuming that everybody has the the same level of like energy and passion and interest that I do and that's not true (laughs) (laughs) and there are of course plenty of people who do share that same level Mm -hmm. of energy but there are a lot more people who are interested and want to you know learn and dance and you know, grow the community and stuff, but they are not looking at it the same way that I am. And you actually, of course, were somebody who brought me back to that grounded place and reminded me that there are people who are going to, (laughs) I'm just like laughing at myself because I'm, I get so like, how is nobody else like, Mm -hmm. as like on fire about this as me. And this has happened my whole life with my vast array of interests that I've had, I'm just, (laughs) and I'm also laughing, thinking about my husband, hearing me talk about this. He would be rolling his eyes so hard because I'm so passionate about every single thing that I do. And he is so not, 
And so <laughs> he has to hear me, you know, vent and talk and go crazy with energy with all of my passionate things and be like, okay, okay like nice, nice, sweetie. That's very cool for you. <laughs> but like, that's not where everybody else is at. And so anyways, I'm just chuckling thinking about um, looking at Megan from an objective perspective here. But anyways, they're bringing it back to dance as an example, there are a lot of people who just have an interest, you know, a mild interest, and they're kind of cool with however it goes for them. And I am like, nope, I am putting any ounce of extra brand power that I have into, into dance, whatever that means for this moment or for this week. And I have to keep reminding myself that that's not <laughs> how everyone operates <laughs> with everything. That's interesting. But you say that because it is true. I mean, I, I, going outside of the realm of friendships, the the one that connects it connects to me most in what you're saying is as a volleyball coach. You know, yesterday I had a lesson with I think 14 girls, and I wanted I want to teach them not only about technique but about strategy, which is my like I love. Mm -hmm. to talk about volleyball strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And so yesterday we were talking about defensive strategies and I forgot that I'm talking to 14 year olds <laughs> <laughs> and that they are not as passionate about volleyball yeah. strategy or maybe they've never even freaking heard of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like the way that I was talking about setting up <laughs> defense and taking line or taking angle and blah, 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 blah. I was going like a hundred miles per hour. I was excited. I am passionate about it. Um, and then I'm looking around and some of them are like, looking up, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, okay, like I am like way beyond like, I mean, maybe yeah. they are listening to me. I have no, maybe they're just being 14 year olds. Um, yeah. but it's that same kind of like, <laughs> for a moment, I'm like, Oh, they don't, totally don't like this. They hate this. They're not taking anything yeah. from like, I just kind of for just a moment. And then I'm like, yeah. fuck that. No, I know what I'm talking about. Right, right. And I'm passionate about it, you know? So, I mean, that's the only correlation that I can take no, of where we think yeah. everybody is at the same level yeah. of excitement, passion, mind functioning, right. The way that yeah. our minds functions that we're all the same and it's just not true. And it comes from the fact that we all have different lived experiences. And so then we all have a different view of whatever it is, you know, individually, as I'm, I'm grappling with something, not everyone's going to think the same way about it that I do. Yeah. And that's a really good correlation. Um, you know, talking about volleyball because it's so true. And I mean, we all know, like we all had those teachers in, mm -hmm. in school who were like so passionate about whatever the subject was. And depending on, you know, because everybody does have, you know, some type of variation with how passionate or interested they are in education or whatever, you know, some people or everyone's going to look at it a little bit differently, but a lot of times the people who have that passion, there's going to be students who look at that and they're like, okay, I didn't, I'm not necessarily as passionate, but the way that they're talking about it, I like, I'm, I'm really enjoying how passionate they are about it, you know, so it, yeah. it'll still resonate with people with even if they don't mm -hmm. take it in the same way. But, um, but that is a really good example. Your volleyball strategy example is a, just a really good way to look at. There's so many different ways where this type of 
I guess, thought process, behavior, whatever, um, pops up for us where we're just like, (laughs) we get so into like, this is what, this is how everybody's (laughs) viewing this thing. And we forget, you know, we're so wrapped up in like in, in our own head and we just forget that that's not where everybody's Yeah. And, and it also made me think, okay, if they're not on the same wavelength, but I am a teacher, (laughs) I'm supposed to teach them what ways the next time that I see them, can I adjust so that it is resonating with them, you know, just a little bit more. And, Mm -hmm. and to be honest, maybe it all did resonate. It's just their, their age group. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't, I don't know, but I did walk away going, yeah, maybe pieces of it resonated. I mean, they probably didn't grasp every single thing, or maybe there's, there's always like one student who's like super eager beaver, you know, yeah. Are is anybody going to be surprised when I'm the one that was that eager? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they might not have grasped every single thing that you were saying, or thought critically about everything you were saying, or whatever. But they they probably took pieces of it, and maybe they don't even realize that they took pieces of it. But then in three years, when they're still playing volleyball, something will click with them, and they're like, "Oh, that's right. This coach told me this, mm-hmm. and now I now I know why you know she said this to me." So it'll, I think it'll it'll click and resonate with them and with all of them in different ways. And it might show up a lot later or maybe not. But I think that that's true, you know, to, to bring it back to like the general scope of how we are, we're just talking about a lot of stuff and using small examples of it. But I I just think that that's true in general. Cause I mean, like how many times in your life have you, you know, met somebody and had, had a really great conversation and then Mm -hmm. nothing happened after that, or somebody was telling you about something that they're really passionate about. And you're like, Hey, that's cool. Cool. Megan, I don't really care. But then it like, you know, years later, something will like click with you and you're like, Oh, that's right. I I remember that that happened. And it's, you know, things come back, but I feel like I cut you off. Were you going to say something about volleyball? No, I was just going to say, you know, I kind of queried them as I was going through. I had them on the court and rotating and all this stuff. And, And I said, hey, you know, for those that were on varsity, did your coach ever talk about this during the season? And one of them like looked at me and goes, no, like just fucking angry. And I'm like, it's just funny. Like now I'm remembering yeah. like how funny that was. Like yeah. she was just freaking furious that, you know, she, she hadn't been taught this. That's and so, so I thought that funny. was so funny, that but really I do, funny. I do think, you know, tying back to the conversation about friendships, I think it's almost like it's, I forget the term. It's like your, your, where you are in your life, right? Like meeting this woman from Vietnam, that timing was perfect for that moment. You know, now what happens after, you know, from between now and when she leaves and then after she leaves, probably nothing. Although I think it would be amazing to have a friend across the world and touch base with her every once in a while to see how she's doing and especially her research, right? Um, And so- you know, I don't know. It, it's just, I, I think I'll have to push some of my current, um, current barriers a little bit because it doesn't mean I have to be best friends, but having acquaintances, I think I need to be more open to the idea of whatever that is. Um, and that is something that I'm curious about. You don't, 
I guess you don't have to go all in and be best friends, but being able to, you know, reach out to somebody that you've met to check in does not equate to, in my mind, what, you know, what I think friendships have to be is, you know, calling every week or talking every day. Like it, I'm not in elementary school. you right. I'm right. a grown ass woman with a ton of stuff going on. Yeah. And, but I think that there is something to be said, like the idea of reaching out to her even after the new year, like actually brings me some joy, like the thought of that, you know? And so, yeah, that's what I'm going to investigate. I like it. I'm so excited to hear your polos about this journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. um, you know, and the idea of, you know, people can enrich our lives. And I think that mm. I just came from a place where, I mean, I'll I'll always go back. Go ahead. And you didn't know. Megan, can you hear me? Talk. Go ahead and talk. Can you hear me? Now I can. I don't know what happened. Okay. I can hear you just fine now. Um, So when you were talking about your earlier friendships... And how they were like all or nothing. And it was like all one-on-one and stuff. Were those friendships very enriching for you? Like looking back, I mean, because if you didn't really have enriching friendships though, and Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us didn't have that as kids because we're kids and we don't know how to, that we, you know, we don't really know that concept very well yet. But, you know, if we didn't have experience like when I look back some of my friendships were I I would say did feel enriching some of them felt enriching for certain in certain aspects and then some of them felt like a total drag but my friendships also felt very all or nothing because I think a lot of just life in general felt very all or nothing you know life feels really dramatic when you're young and everything feels like Mm -hmm. the biggest deal on the planet and so looking back on a lot of the friendships that I had that, you know, for like from my best friends or some good friends, I would never want that same friendship now, not because they're a bad person or because I was a bad person, but that is not actually what causes me to like grow and feel healthy and understood in a friendship. And so the reason why I ask if those friendships that you mentioned earlier from childhood, you know, if they felt enriching because, you know, maybe you, you didn't have, you know, super enriching relationships before and coupled with that, they felt very consuming. And so now it feels like any friendship for you, your brain automatically assumes that it's not Mm going to be what you need. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, talk a lot about childhood and trauma and, I, I truly believe that how I, you know, from my brother's death and the, and the months and years after that of not, uh, being not caring, not being able to care for that grief and sorrow and total misunderstanding of family dynamics at nine, like did not understand that it really did put me in in a way to have a perspective about people in general, if I was disposable, which I absolutely felt, then people 
people are disposable and relationships are disposable. And I think that I've, I've carried that through my life where, um, as consuming a one-on-one relationship was, I could also cut it off and fucking never think about them again. And, you know, everybody will say, oh, that's a Scorpio thing. Like, you know, that's a INFJ thing or a Scorpio thing. No, that's actually comes from your view of the world and yourself in it. And that is from how you, the foundation that was created when you were younger. And so like I do, you know, those, and so to answer your question, no, they weren't fulfilling. What they did is they fulfilled a, they temporarily fulfilled the loneliness that I had. Um, our relationship, you're in mine, and there's a few others. There's a fulfillment in these friendships now that goes beyond like it it is cracked my heart, right? Like it's in my heart. And mm-hmm. I have never had that before. And so um oh, there's a love, you know. And so that, that was missing because of how I viewed other people and mm-hmm. how I viewed my relationship, like, well, it can come or go like, you know, because I just didn't understand what having a relationship really meant. Right. You know, it's, and it's yeah, go it, ahead. it's again, interesting how we have had such, such different life experiences and then such different, um, we have such different instincts when it comes to like initiating a friendship or initiating stranger conversations or, you know, however you want to word that, but they keep coming back to the same, Mm -hmm. same result. And that feeling of, um, oh, you just said it. And then it flew out of my head. You were talking about, um, oh, being able to like cut people off without even hesitating really. And that's the same thing for me. I've always been able to do that. And so again, I think it comes from being at the extreme end of Mm -hmm. how we view friendships and then we create the same type of result, which isn't good. I don't love that. I, that I, my brain's able to just like switch into that mode of just cutting somebody out of my life. But I know that it comes from not a survival as in my life has actually been life or death difficult, clearly. I have not experienced that, but that survival mode of, well, I have to do this to protect my, I like my brain has to be able to cut people out without hesitation and without feeling too bad about it. And then, you know, months later, I'll still feel like sad and kind of mopey about it. It's not that I have zero feelings, but I am able to do that in a, in a concerningly easy way. And it's because I have trained my brain from childhood to be able to do that because I have always pushed too hard to create friendships. And then it pushes people away because they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not, we don't need to talk as much as you want to talk or whatever. It's not that people are explicitly telling me that, but I just get the feeling based on how much people reciprocate back with the friendships or they're not even really reciprocating anything back. They're just existing like normal. And I'm just like, a person that's like, oh, okay, they're an acquaintance of mine, whatever. And I'm overthinking it like crazy. And so then I'm like, well, they don't like me, then I need to cut them out. (laughs) And so I just create that for myself. But anyways, it's just interesting how, you know, we have those different approaches, but it still comes down to both of us having that same coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. For sure. And it goes back to how do we 
create a more balanced approach, right? And meanwhile, still getting what we need. Um, because I think part of the fear that sets in when people look at change is, well, what am I going to lose? Like, you know, okay, so if I using my, you know, life as an example, I, I kind of think, oh, by opening myself up, I'm losing control of my time. And, and that directly relates to that feeling of obsession, right? Like that, that, that kind of overwhelming one-on-one everything is about us and all my time like that's extreme right but it doesn't have to get that way and I need to learn how to take confidence in how much I've grown and and believe that I won't let it get to that way you know to that point um and and to not let the fear of not having control really control my life so that I'm not learning or meeting new acquaintances. Like that's what I don't want to have happen. I want to be really realistic that just because I meet somebody, it does not mean that we're, it's going to go from zero to a hundred because of one conversation, you know, but that's Mm -hmm. part of just learning the lesson and, and reflecting on it, you know, and having the conversation that we had on Marco Polo about it. Um, because it was a new kind of a new revelation for me. And I think just, you know, thinking about that, like, what does it mean to me if I contact this person for coffee before she leaves? Oh my God. Like now she's going to be living with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like it. And that's where anxiety and fear, it's like that, the unknown of what's going to happen. That's when it starts to set in, but got to reel ourselves back a little bit, you know? Yeah. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, friendships, I never would have said this before. I mean, they are critical (laughs) to our survival, you know, connection, I should say. It doesn't have to be the friendship that you and I have, right? Connection can also be the hour long conversation at the table at the Halloween potluck at work. (laughs) It did something to me. It, yeah. it fulfilled a need. And that doesn't mean that I need more from that person. Right. But it's okay to keep in touch. So there's, I think that's part, that's part of my creation of what a bound, what a balance is going to look like for me. That's so funny that you say that because again, coming from the other end of it, I've, ha- I've been having that same sort of like, like kind of reframing my thinking about I'll just say relationships in general, like conversations, connections, because I, I have to look at it from the opposite side, but coming to the same conclusion where like, just because I like, let's say I'm, you know, same, same sort of thing happens to me where like, I meet a random person at some random like work function or whatever. And we have a great conversation. I don't have to pursue a friendship with them. Mm -hmm. And so you're coming from it as you you don't have to expect that they're going to do that with you. <laughs> it's so funny. I, how did we become friends? 
I think when we talk about it this way, it sounds like why would we ever be friends? Well, but opposites attract. I, know, I mean, you know, that is true. It's so funny. And I think also for us, it was at a time where, I mean, it was freaking during COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously we met before COVID, but mm-hmm. after COVID, it really solidified. During, sorry, during COVID, yeah. it really solidified. And I think we met a need for each other, like yeah. of that connection, right? And we both were like knowing that something in our, each of our lives, like for ourselves had to change. It wasn't really related to having a friend, but we're on the same kind of wavelength from, I think we were like ready to embark on a self-reflection journey and we could talk the same language. I I feel that's how it started, you know? I think so too. I mean, I think we were, I was learning how to be there for someone without judgment and also without expectation. Yeah. You know, you know and, what, Kelly? I never once felt judgment or expectation from you, just so you well, know. Well, I mean, that is just truly something I am trying. And and I don't feel judgment. It's really weird. Like I really don't, and I know people might not believe that, but I feel like that's the one thing for my past that truly I've been able to just fucking let go. And it's so mm-hmm. freeing to hear someone talk and talk about their challenges and have like zero expectation on them. Like, well, you should blah, blah, blah. Like there is none of that. It's more just a, when judgment is gone, it's more of uh oh my gosh, I can now like actually freely acknowledge what they're going through and validate that what they've just said to me is a hundred percent true for them. And that is, it's beautiful, internally beautiful. I love that. Well, Kelly, I'm glad we're friends. I am too, Megan. Seriously. It's, um, you provide the spark and the, I'm just going to say craziness from the, because many times I think, was it the Barbie movie? I forget (laughs) what movie it was we were buying tickets for. And it was Barbie. Well, what I called the crazy train, like picking, you know, all the things. And it got me going. Like I was getting on that train with you and it was that was well, such for, like a fun uh, texting with with the it book was, club. So for context, <laughs> everyone, I am a big Marvel fan, and my husband and I we go see all of the um, the opening night Marvel movies whenever they um, are released in theaters, and we've been doing that for years. And so there was one time where it was for the spider the latest Spider Man movie that came out at seven a.m. I checked tickets, and like half the theater was already sold out the a month before mm-hmm. the movie was coming out and so I was like okay and we we had to get like crappy side seats or whatever and I was like I am never letting that happen again and so when it's the 30 days ahead of time that a movie comes out that I want to see on opening oh, night God. I am on fandango.com mm-hmm. at 7 a.m checking as soon as the Woodland Theater has tickets released so I've, um, I've gotten very good at that and getting the seats that I know exactly that I want to get. And so when Barbie came, when they said that they were going to release tickets on whatever day, mm-hmm. a month ahead of time that it was that they were releasing tickets, I was telling our, the book club girls, okay, <laughs> we're getting tickets. 
And it was, there was like some debacle that was happening. Oh, it was the wrong theater, right? Well, the original tickets, like they were releasing, yeah, they were releasing the tickets in a small auditorium. And I'm just like, that can't be right. Like, you know, and so we wanted to get like center seats, like as far as in the row, you know, we wanted to be yeah, in the big auditorium. And so it was like freak out mode on text, but in a fun way, like when I say freak out, it was like panic. like attack like and it was like Megan's enthusiasm to ensure that we got the right tickets just was like infused in me and I became like this monster on Fandango (laughs) and and then I realized oh my god like in a matter of like three minutes I went zero to a (laughs) hundred and so when I say that that is something like that was fun for me. You know, it was like, it brought like so much joy. And then we were, (laughs) you know, sending, everyone was sending memes and stuff about how chat was blowing up. Yeah. Like how crazy it just got, you know, in a matter of minutes. (laughs) And so, you know, those are things where I feel like I'm super reserved. Um, and I don't express those kind of joyful, crazy moments very often. Um, and that was just a time where I realized like, oh my God, Megan's like enthusiasm just like infiltrated my entire life for these three minutes and it was so much fun. And so, yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's like, you know, a value that you bring bring to me. I mean, and I appreciate it. It's it's, I'm glad my enthusiasm can help people at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I don't know. Yeah. It was fun anyway. Yeah. It was like a whirlwind. Like we were all, all of a sudden on like a crazy roller coaster and like everyone was internally screaming because we were all like, we weren't like together. We were like, also, I was sitting at my desk. Yeah. Should have been doing work, but yeah, I think we were all at our jobs. Um, (laughs) So that was, that was funny, but I think that this is, I mean, I think that there's so much more about the topic of friendships and in relationships and connection in general. I mean, I think it's for the future episodes as well, because I do think maybe I would love to talk about just connection with people without the requirement of a friend, you know, because I think that that's something that I struggle with. I mean, I think about all the people I come across in a day that I, it scares me to even say this, like that I don't know. And they're probably amazing. Right. And I'm missing out on others amazingness and why real quick why does that scare you to say that you oh because in order to feel their amazingness I would have to get to know them (laughs) well that's why I wanted to ask because like for me yeah again I don't I've never been like scared of getting to know a person before so it's just so interesting to hear somebody else say something that's not in my brain. I think that fear is also about not whether I'm worthy enough, but how do I extract that from them if they aren't? It's so funny that you say that because you are like the most comfortable person to talk to ever. People listening, the first time that my husband met Kelly, he was like, I can see why you're such good friends with her and why she should be a therapist. She's so calm and easy to talk to. And my husband is also a very like calming person to talk to. And he just kind of naturally gives people the feeling that they are safe to open up to him. And you do the same thing. 
<laughs> and you have always been like that over the years that I've known you and all of the changes you've made, you have always been that. So it's just funny to hear you even think that perhaps you might not be able to extract, you know, Thank you for that. like vulnerability from somebody, <laughs> because I feel like if you just started talking with people, like as an experiment, just started talking with strangers here and there, just to see they would be opening up all over the place. I appreciate that. And so again, I think it's a barrier, right? That I'm putting up and it also has to do with small talk and kind of me embodying that introvertedness and how I hate small talk. But if I can look at small talk differently is that is the intro, right? That's that can, that has to be the intro into a conversation. And, you know, I don't think that this is going to like resonate with you very well, but I hate small talk. I absolutely hate small talk. But I feel like when I have to go into a small talk mode, it's almost like I adopt a character and I'm like, Mm. I just like pretend, I don't know, like we're in a TV show or something. Like I, it's almost like I have some sort of, not an out of body experience, not like a legitimate spiritual out of body Mm -hmm. experience, but like, kind of like, okay, I have to pretend like I can do small talk here. And then I just sort of like, go along with it until we can like push through it kind of thing. So it's almost like not, I'm not as in I'm joking and being disingenuine, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't need small talk and I don't like small talk, but I know that sometimes it has to happen in order for the rest of the conversation to continue, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's the way that I approach it. I don't know if that'll help you. (laughs) I'm going to think on that. I mean, because I maybe like it, it is, maybe there's a version of that that will fit me, yeah. you know, and, and help me. I mean, because I am truly looking for other ways to kind of tackle mm-hmm. this part of myself because I do believe I am, sounds so egotistical, but I do believe <laughs> I am meant to like talk to millions of people you right are. I mean it's just like I yeah I feel like there's and I feel like that you know it's that intro of me stepping outside and you know engaging with someone that's mm-hmm. really holding me back from being able to talk to literally anyone and when I say yeah. millions I, I don't mean you know like I'm going to be famous that's not what I'm Kelly, talking about if I, just, I should be able to of millions of people you can <laughs> jump on the platform and talk to them yeah I just, I just really want that ability and it, and I think it can be learned, you know, despite how rooted I am in my introvertedness. I think that, that there's a portion of that that can be learned and accomplished. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I believe in you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You can do it. it. I can do hard things. (laughs) Good combo. I, I liked so. it. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't nervous about it once we started, which is always a good feeling. Yeah. I wasn't either. Okay. Are you wrap wiped now? I am. I'm tired. I know. I'm all energized and ready to I know. <laughs> have more conversations. I'm like, I need some coffee. But yeah, we're going to book club this morning. I know. So excited. Fun read. Okay. Yes. You want to wrap us up? <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants to know what we read, then you can just reach out, but we'll keep it as a mystery for now. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks everyone for listening. 
Um, you can find us on Instagram um, at your future therapist underscore pod. Is that correct? Yep. And um, and then I'm sorry, I don't remember what else you usually say. I usually um, just freaking cut it off. Oh, okay. So um, awkward. Like be, that is. There will be things in the show notes. Um, There's absolutely uh, uh, links to everything you ever wanted to know about us. And there's uh, a Megan's website. Other, yep. And Megan's other podcasts are linked other in our stuff. show notes. We yeah. both do a bunch of things and you can find it on the internet. That's true. Just okay. Google search us. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Future Therapist podcast. If you'd like to reach co-hosts Kelly Newsom and Megan Lachowski, feel free to text them at 530-733-6400 or reach them by email at yourfuturetherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can also slide into their DMs on Instagram, handle at yourfuturetherapist underscore pod. Make sure to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review on any of the streaming platforms you listen to this podcast on.